Hello, welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. I mean, she actually loves the book. I think she kind of thinks of it as hers. Um, yeah, so of, course. Yeah. of course. You know, it's, it's geared towards zero to five. Five or five or six is probably on the older age, unless they really, your child really hasn't gone to school before, then it could be very helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, so she's kind of on that tail end. I didn't think she would really enjoy it as much. I don't know if it's maybe because it's a household, you know, a family book, yeah. but yeah. she loves it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe there's beauty in that simplicity of it, you know, of the, yeah. of the style and the repetition and everything. But she does love it. I, I think it's always a great reminder to have those key phrases. And she has, I'm not sure it was my book because I, I probably taught her them too before the book came out. Sure. She actually went to Bing. So she she got schooled in it too. Sure. But uh, there, yeah. but um, she has learned those phrases and, and she does very well. She uses them appropriately and, and can navigate. Um, she's also a social child, but you know, so she, yeah. she keeps in the practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner, Parenting Coach, and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, bringing you another great interview with another mom who is changing the world. I'm really excited today to share because I love bringing authors onto our show, and we love talking about children's literature and children's books. And our guest today, Michelle Forrest, has a great one that I'm so glad to introduce to you today. Before we launch in, I love sharing African proverbs. And the one that I picked for today goes, seeing is different than being told. This one is short and sweet. Seeing is different than being told. And I like this one for today because as a visual person myself, and you might be a visual learner as well, sometimes seeing something with your own eyes or seeing an example of something can just bring things to life or help you remember something or learn a lesson that you've maybe heard a hundred times. And that's one of the powerful things about books and you know using books when we're working with our children, our own children at home or children if we're you know in a classroom or children around us. And I love that. Her book, At the Right Time, has some great stories that really show, you know, kind of different behavior that we want to encourage for our children in different situations. So it, it, and it really illustrates and illuminates those things right before our children's eyes. So to tell you a little bit more about Michelle, after graduating from Stanford University with a BS in biology and a minor in psychology, Michelle taught at Bing Nursery School for five years. There, she was immersed in the world of young children and cultivated her passion for early childhood education and child development. As a teacher, Michelle personally witnessed the positive impact of pro-social language on both a child's ability to navigate social settings and also a child's development of self and confidence. 
Following her time in education, Michelle returned to school, obtained her JD from Santa Clara University, and began her career working as a family law attorney to assist and support families going through difficult circumstances. After having her first child, Michelle learned the power of children's books to teach children and assist adults in parenting. And so we see, you know, right away that becoming a mom definitely impacted Michelle's journey. As she endeavored to raise a confident and empowered daughter, Michelle began to write a children's book while she developed her ideas about using language to further pro-social behavior. For her first book, At the Right Time, was published in 2020 and is now available. Enough fun fact, the illustrator, Rachel Asvit, was Michelle's first friend, whom she met at Bing Nursery School, where they attended as children. At the Right Time depicts cute animal friends using key pro-social phrases, helpful for children to learn to share, join in friends' play, take turns, and wait their turn. All important skills for young children to know in social situations they often encounter, like school and the playground and home. The book also emphasizes that behaviors have a right or appropriate time in order to assist adults in teaching the children about context. Language empowers, and Michelle's sincere hope is that at the right time, will assist families in learning to share the power of language with their children. So we are so excited to have you here today, Michelle. How are you? Thank you. So, um, I'm doing really well. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Good. As we you know, kind of launch in today, I'd love to hear about kind of your family, how things have been going for you these days uh, as the, you know, kind of the pandemic and we're returning and emerging uh, is going and what life is like for you now. Yeah. So I've been married almost 20 years and our daughter, we have one daughter. She is going to be six at the end of this month and okay. she just started kindergarten. So there's a uh, quiet in our house uh, <laughs> weekdays from nine to three that I haven't had in a long time. <laughs> sure, um, sure. But that's going to be ending pretty soon because I am expecting uh, baby number two. Oh, a congratulations. Boy. Thank you. Yeah. A little boy in the middle of November. So she's excited to have a brother and we're excited to welcome a little boy into the household. That's awesome. Um, as Many of the families that are listening probably right now, we've been weathering COVID for the last year and a half, approximately. Yeah, yeah. But for our house, it it really, and I know this is not everyone's experience, but it meant a slowing down um, that was really good for us, I think. Uh, less socializing, less traveling. Yeah, and yeah. for me personally, it allowed me to do and pick up some projects that I hadn't had time for before. So it was a real silver lining um, yeah. in this kind of difficult time. And I was able to write this children's book that I've been thinking about for, I'll be honest, a couple of years. Um, <laughs> sure. And actually able to finish it. And that's been very exciting. That's incredible. And, you know, if you've been around here at this podcast, you know that this, you know, launching this podcast last year was also a project that came out of that, that big slowdown, you know, that we all experienced. And so I definitely can relate to that. And I'm so excited that you were able to, to push this out. And, you know, we first met when we, you know, before husbands and children, I, I believe, you know, back, you know, when we were kind of out of college and overlapped at our church. And so it's, it's always exciting to connect and reconnect with people that we, you know, we, we kind of knew each other way before kids, right? <laughs> way before we came moms. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see how our journey and to be able to talk and kind of dive into, you know, how, uh, how our journeys have evolved. So, you know, real practical, I love to start off with the, the food question, the meals question, right? You know, always curious, you know, how you're feeding your family in these days. 
Sure. Yeah. We're a little food challenged. I'll be honest. I'm not the best cook. <laughs> so meal might be a stretch, but I do have at least hearty snacks. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes. One of our favorite go-tos is deviled eggs. And mm. I think this is great for almost, you know, any family inclined to eat eggs, I guess, or no allergies mm. to eggs. Uh, because the, the children can help. It's very simple and the children mm-hmm. can help. So, so my daughter helps me with every part of the process from the hard boiling mm-hmm. to taking the yolks out and then mixing it all up in a mixing bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can add anything you want to as a topping, whatever your child likes. So deviled eggs is a big one in our house. Another kind of healthy go-to, again, it's more snacky, but that's kind of yeah. how we do here. Yeah, that works. That works. <laughs> um, uh, kale chips. I can't take credit for this. It was my friend's idea, but mm-hmm. uh, it's getting vegetables out and they taste like chips. So if you just put a little, there's a little olive oil over raw kale um, yeah. and put some uh, salt on it, put it in the oven for a couple of minutes at about 400, depending on your oven. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. It tastes like chips. So those are, those are fun ways to get some healthy food down some heartier than others. Um, sure. But, sure. Um, uh, yeah. You know, you're, you're reminding me of kale chips. I have tried it in the past. I feel like I've always overdone it. Like I've just put it on for too long and then it's, you know, then it's just like burnt in your mouth, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is no fun, but it sounds like if you just, you know, really kind of keep an eye on it for just a couple of minutes, like maybe five minutes, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Yes. And so sometimes I, I've bought them and uh, with fun flavors, you know, that you can kind of melt on top or yeah, sprinkle sure on top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you, if the kids are into something with a kick, you know, you can even make it, you know, add a little bit of, of spice to it or different spices on top. So those are great. Thank you for that. So as we, you know, talk about your journey towards becoming an author, you know, tell me a little bit more about, you know, how your, your passion evolved. Sure. Yeah, it, was, it certainly started at my time at Bing. So I was there from 2003 to 2008, surrounded by amazing professionals that were had dived in in their own you know lives to, to study child development and early childhood education. So mm-hmm. it was my time there where I felt very nourished as a professional, as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, we poured a lot of resources in, into each teacher, mm-hmm. um, and so it was just a wonderful time with a lot of children over those five years and just learning alongside them. I love seeing, uh, I think what fascinated me about children then and still does is just their joy. They love to learn their exuberance, mm-hmm. their excitement, their innocence. And I just came away from my time there wanting to kind of always have at the core of whatever I did, uh, the well-being of, the, of young children and doing things that cultivate that or uh, honor it and nourish it. They're just so precious. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's right. That's right. And I know a little bit about being, but for those who don't, it's, it's kind of a special preschool setting. And then tell us a little bit about being. Yeah. So it's a, it's a school, a preschool associated with the psychology department at Stanford university. And it was founded as a lab school. And so all this stemmed from the fact that very famous research research still goes on there and very famous research and studies have come out of that school for, for many decades and they all impact child development. So some of the famous studies surround like looking at delayed gratification for children, intrinsic motivation, and how children acquire language, how they behave socially, so language acquisition and social development. But for me as a mom and as a teacher, so something a little more personal, I actually, I went there, my my daughter went there, and then I also taught there. So I've seen it from many angles, and it's just a tremendously wonderful place. As a professional, as a teacher, I was just poured into and given lots of opportunities to expand my learning, new opportunities there. For the children, they are 
the teacher strives to honor every aspect of a child's development and to get to really know who that child is and, and, and respect where they are. And mm-hmm. as I send them off to higher education, I guess not higher education, but the next grade. <laughs> um, and so it's a beautiful place for every individual child. But as a larger community, it's a very vibrant place. Uh, there's seminars for parents. It's an incredibly diverse community. I believe I was told that there were of the enrolled population, there were more than 100 languages spoken. It might have been even as high as 140. So it mm-hmm. just serves families from all over the world. So it's an incredibly rich environment. And it's a, it's, a, it's been a wonderful place for me and my family. That's awesome. And as someone who yeah, just loves child development, I'm always fascinated by any anything that, you know, any of the, like the research or the things that come out, you know, when we were trying to learn about, okay, yeah, how, how do these little beings, you know, come from just such innocence and not able to do much to being able to talk, to being able to make friends, to being able to, you know, learn in, in such creative and fascinating ways. So I love that. Yeah, that's great. And so then from there, you know, I think, you know, motherhood, as I was reading your bio, you know, had an impact on kind of your path. So tell us a little bit about more about that. Sure. Yeah. So, so as I was saying, I developed my passion while at Bing um, and, and children just remained central to everything I do post that time, you know, mm-hmm. because of, because of that time. Yeah. Uh, those two yes. avenues currently, the work as an attorney where I'm assisting families, I don't represent children directly, but I represent their parents. Um, and I know that I have a can have a very strong indirect impact and and stabilizing the home, reminding the parents to remind their children in these difficult times, they still love them and things like that. So again, it's not a direct impact, but I'm still working with families and know that my indirect impact is, it can be strong if I do it well. And then the second avenue is through literature. Gosh, learning that literature and books have such uh, power. They can be an incredible teaching tool for both parents and, and children mm-hmm. and, and also um, a learning tool, a parent, a parent aid. Um, so yeah, so then I've just dived into kind of getting my book out as to as many families as I can, because I really believe in kind of the message that, that it has kind of two emphases and um, I really believe in them. And so I'm really excited to be getting them out. I believe that the language that's depicted in the book yeah. empowers children and that leads yeah. to like, their higher self-confidence and ability to navigate socially. And those are just really good things for setting them up well for their future lives. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just really excited to be kind of in this phase where I can do both, be an attorney right. and kind of have this a little bit bigger side project. Sure. At the yeah. same time. Yeah. And, and that's great. I love, you know, that there's a, a variety of ways that you're impacting children you know, inside and outside of your home. And, you know, that the, from the, on the, the law piece, you know, that families are, can be going through tough times. And I definitely, you know, acknowledge that, especially with the pandemic, having illuminated certain things or having brought certain things forward, you know, it, it, it's even tougher in some ways for children in some, you know, in some situations, given what's going on. So it's awesome to be able to, to support families, you know, in that way. And then at the same time, to also be able to kind of impact the kind of the world of liter- literacy and literature and use that for social development. And right. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe now would be a good time to, to talk a little bit about the book itself. So people have a sense of, you know, how you were able to tie together the, the pro-social, you sure. know, learning with uh, the book. 
Yeah. So I could start with the title and why the title. Uh, it's yes. called At the Right Time. And that's because the, the one emphasis is assisting parents and teaching children about context, which is kind of a intangible, it's a difficult concept for children to, to, to understand. But the idea is that an action has a right time or an appropriate time. So for example, cute little Betsy Bear realizes she can, or knows that she can push, but not when she's waiting in line to take a turn, you know, to do something. But, but yes, it's okay when it's you're pushing a friend on a swing, right? Or, or Tommy Tiger can, can hit when it's baseball because there's a bat and a ball, but not when he's asking for a turn, you know, to play. So that leads into the second thing that it does, which is. I have those animals um, through my, the beautiful illustrator, Rachel Azit, uh, mm. show that the the appropriate way to actually do the action that they want to accomplish. So yeah. how does Tommy Tiger actually ask for a toy or how does Kylie Kitten actually ask for a, a way to join in and play with her friends? And what's the appropriate way? What's the pro-social way? So those, those phrases like, may I have a turn or may I play, please? you know, and then even the pro-social response, sure, you know, a happy, positive thing or, or when I'm done, right? Like maybe, maybe mm-hmm. the child doesn't want to share right now, yeah. but all that's modeled in the book. And so when you read it, children just pick up whatever they read. If the book's sassy, they pick up sassy. <laughs> I hopefully when they pick up this book, they pick up something quite respectful. And I, I really, I see that as the, the power behind books. Um, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I, I wanted the, the animals to depict the, the more appropriate way to say things. And I will say now that Bella knows the book and and understands it and understands Mm -hmm. that phrase at the right time, Mm -hmm. I use it all the time at home. It is such an amazing parenting aid, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I'm always saying, well, absolutely we can do that, but the now is not the right time or we'll do that at the right time. I mean, I use it, I'll probably accidentally use it in the interview (laughs) (laughs) and there's a right time for things. And it's just such a helpful phrase. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And then, um, you know, how did you come up with the uh, animals? How did you come up with the, you know, the scenarios? Yeah, gosh. Well, so I think so much of it came from my time at Bing. So they're very, the simple things that I saw that were really helpful for kids to kind of start to master at a young age, joining play, Mm -hmm. taking turns, you know, right. Like when that goes well, it just adds like a positive vibe all around you. Right. Whether it's school, the if it doesn't, yeah. things kind of can start to crumble. So when you gather a lot of kids that know this stuff together, it just adds to kind of seamless behavior and, 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 and kind of high positivity all around. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I picked those actions, I guess, to answer your question, mm-hmm. but, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wanted, I've actually never been asked this, but I did put thought into it. I wanted the names to kind of rhyme. So some alliteration mm-hmm. that you could, a parent could hit on if they wanted to even take the book that way. Yeah. Um, so rhyming kind of equal number of boys and girls, female and male animals. And, mm-hmm. and then I just let Rachel take it and she's so talented. From and there. Yeah. Come alive. That's great. Yeah. So just to read a couple of the scenarios, Dalen Duck kicks her legs while she swims in the pond, but not when she has a different idea from her friends. Kylie Kitten scratches when she gets a bug bite, but not when she wants to join in, play with her friends. And so, you know, you have the the animal doing, you know, whatever they're doing, you know, described, you know, on each page. And then you have the example also illustrated, you know, with the friends or in a social situation, you know, they're spitting, you know, 
you can spit when you're brushing your teeth, but not when you don't like the food you're eating, right? <laughs> it just goes on and, you know, playfully. Oh, exactly. <laughs> playfully from there. Yeah. And so I'm curious, you know, how your daughter kind of reacts to these things and, you know, what she, you know, what you've kind of seen when you read with her or when she reads on her own. Yeah. I mean, she actually loves the book. I think she kind of thinks of it as hers. Yeah, um, yeah so of, course. Like, yeah. of course. You know, it's, it's geared towards zero to five, five or five or six is probably on the older age, unless they really, your child really hasn't gone to school before then it could be very helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, so she's kind of on that tail end. I didn't think she would really enjoy it as much. I don't know if it's maybe because it's a household, you know, or a family yeah. book, but yeah. she loves it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe there's beauty in that simplicity of it, you know, of the, yeah. of the style and the repetition and everything, mm-hmm. but she does love it. I, I think it's always a great reminder to have those key phrases. And she has, I'm not sure it was my book because I, I probably taught her them too before the book came out. Sure. She actually went to Bing. So she, she got schooled in it too, sure. but uh, there, yeah. but um, she has learned those phrases and and she does very well. She uses them appropriately and and can navigate. Um, she's also a social child, but you know, so she, yeah. she puts into yeah. practice. Right. Right. And then, it. Say that again. She's adopted, you know, I feel like adopted or, or learned the lessons that I would want some want child her to yeah, yeah. And that's wonderful. And I, I know that, you know, in my work, I work in my clinic work, I work with children who have different delays and, uh, so, you know, social and communication delays mm-hmm. uh, can come up uh, frequently. Impulsivity is a big thing that, you know, the families come and we sort through, you know, for their child. And so, you know, parents often ask, you know, well, what, yeah, what can I do? You know, what can I say? Right. And so I like how, you know, your book gives specific, you know, ways of saying, you know, in a positive, right, a positive perspective, positive uh, framing, right, of what the child is doing. And it says, this is fine, you know, in this situation, but not in this situation. How about we try this, right? Mm-hmm. Or let's, let's try, let's do a redo and let's try it this way, right? Yeah. So, you know, as far as families who are struggling, whether your child is typically developing or on the neurodiversity, you know, scale or spectrum, they're are so many opportunities, I think, to use these kinds of phrases and statements and, and it gives parents a specific way to, to teach it. Yeah. And I can add to, I didn't say this yet, but uh, three pages have an actual, it's a clock icon and it's called practice time. So this, yeah. my intent was that this was a, a parenting aid, a further sure. resource teaching for the home, tool. teaching tool. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's, in, and it basically says, what else could your child say, you know, in this situation that's depicted on the page. So it's to encourage dialogue between the adult and the child mm-hmm. and think of, you know, it doesn't have to be, may I have the toy when you are done, right? It doesn't have to be right. a couple of different ways, but encourage your child, have that conversation with them. What else is a similar thing, you know, that's yeah. also for social. And so anyways, it, it, it's meant to be something that the whole family can kind of work with. And, work with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so that's a, an, another great tip is that idea of role-playing. Right. And, and asking children ahead of time, right. To think through how that might go and you put, put those forms in their mouth. Right. And then actually maybe see it by getting up and acting it out. My kids would often, you know, love to just pop up and just, you know, act or dance yeah. a, a, it out. Right. And that gets Our it dramatic into, play. <laughs> yes, exactly. That gets it into their physical memory as well. So not only have they, you know, seen it right in the book, seeing right brings things to life and, and as we talked about from the proverb but they are also saying it right so they're verbalizing some of the their own ways of saying it or practicing exactly what you've provided for them 
and they may potentially do it as well. And you can encourage them to get up and physically, you know, act it out or actually role play it as well. So that's a, a great strategy for how you can, you know, use a book, especially like this, to, like you said, have conversations, make that teachable moment happen and practice with your child, especially if they, they're struggling you know, with any of the particular scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, you know, this leads in nicely to, you know, teaching our children about empathy and, you know, with all that's going on in the world right now, tell us, you know, a little bit about your family's ethnic makeup. Mm -hmm. um, And then, you know, how you're talking to your child about race, about diversity, about inclusion and empathy. Sure. Sure. So my ancestors are from, on my mom's side, mostly Poland, Lithuania. And on my dad's side, UK, Germany. So I'm, I'm Caucasian. And I realized with that, I, I've, I've lived a very privileged life. I have not endured a lot of the hardships that many people have in our country and in and, and, and the world. So I, I do want Bella to have a perspective that's not just what, what's offered in this house. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's sort of a four-pronged approach in our house. Service, support, books, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and then just kind of the home ethics that we that we emphasize. So service, it's a big thing for me. And I want to hopefully pass it on to Bella that we spend some time mm-hmm. serving those yeah. um, um, that have less than we do. So for her, because she's young, I found kind of age appropriate things. Obviously there's much bigger issues that we could tackle as she gets older, but for, for us here, it's been, you know, finding people that need clothes or clean toiletries, clean Supplies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and food. And we, we donate those together. I, I include her in all steps of the process. And if it's That's assembling right. a college we kit, it's, you know, from buying to assembling to mm-hmm. drop off mm-hmm. um, and make her part of, yeah, make her part of the whole process support. We, she knows that we financially support three children around the world, three different countries, Africa, Dominican Republic, and Mexico. Their pictures are up in our house. Um, One happens to be just about her age. So I especially focus on her because they're kind of going through milestones together. But um, that has been a wonderful way to learn about the very specific issues that are affecting them in their countries. So I could highlight one, for example, that stuck with her for a while. And it was very touching. I believe it was the girl that was her age. They, one of the magazines or the articles about where she lived was emphasizing the lack of access to clean water. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's Bella, probably four or five. And she, for a while, and it wasn't from me, it was on her. And it was just great to realize that young kids can even start to, you know, try to tackle these problems. Or I, I wanted to develop that, that desire, right? I probably couldn't put her idea into practice <laughs> because sure. it was so cute. But she, when she'd see clean water, she was like, well, can we put it in a water bottle and fly it over to the country? Yeah. And it was just, really, I mean, it kind of gives me goosebumps. It's really, yeah. really touching. Um, yeah. And so we talked about that. So the, as issues came up from the children that we support, we talked about that. Third, um, literature. We go to the library all the time. We were such mm-hmm. frequenters of the whole pickup line during COVID. Um, and we just um, hit up the section. We have, a, we have access to a really great library that celebrates diversity and highlights books from all over the world and everyone's journeys. And we read about that and, and you know, the good and the bad or the child that doesn't feel like they fit in because of the way they look or, you know, I, I and if I like the book, I just buy it. So I have quite a few. I purposely try to buy like a book from might represent each people group that she's kind of surrounded by a lot, um, you know, so that she has them on her bookshelf and she often flips through them. Um, so I think that's great, but literature, the power book, I can't speak, you know, enough to that at this point. Sure, sure. Um, 
And then, yeah, last would just be the ethics of home. I think a lot of it boils down to respect. And so we really pr- mm-hmm. practice perspective taking, understanding where the other person's coming from and mm-hmm. trying to have respect be the core of everything we do. When we can master it at our home, it's more likely to come out, mm-hmm. out of the home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fabulous. So I like how you've kind of organized it as far as yeah service. And then what was the second one? Support. Yeah, support, support. Of, children. Yeah, of, of children around the world. And then, yeah. literature. And then literature. And then, and then family values. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. And, you know, in my, you know, coaching work, I talk a lot about the family values piece and the family mm-hmm. ethics, you know, it's how you talked about it and how oftentimes, you know, as the parents, you know, we kind of lay that foundation, like you said, you know, we set the tone for that and how we're treating, you know, uh, if, if there's a partner in the home, how we're treating, you know, our husband or our wife or how we are treating our children, right? If if respect doesn't kind of ooze from that, right? Or if empathy doesn't kind of undergird and underlie all of that, then it's very hard for us to expect our children to even like understand or be able to to do that. So model for sure. Exactly. Again, seeing is believing, right? As you know, as the proverb reminds us, like children you know, catch more than, you know, the, than the, what they're specifically taught, right? Yes. So much is caught versus taught. So that the, you know, the power of the example, you know, that, that we set and how we talk to other people from, you know, the, the waiter at the restaurant, right, to the person on the street yeah. uh, that we're passing by who doesn't have a home is, is huge in illuminating, right, illustrating for our children the ideas of, of empathy and respect and, and how, you know, the questions that they bring up, making space and room for those questions mm-hmm. and really, you know, making sure to, to be, to slow down and, and to be mindful as you're answering those questions to, mm-hmm. to make sure that it's tied and connected to, to the values that you're, you know, wanting to teach. And then I want to go back to also the support piece. Uh, I had an interview early in season one Episode 13 was with uh, Ajua, and she started a nonprofit called Pockets of Promise. It's episode 13, and I encourage all listeners to, to go back and listen to it. But as a mother, you know, literally, you know, uh, days after becoming a mother, she just had to do something for children around the world. And so make sure to, if you haven't already, you know, go back and listen to the interview with Ajua Adu Aqua and the nonprofit is also listed on my webpage. So if you're looking for places to support and donate, please you know, make sure to, to take advantage of that. So you know, thank you for kind of organizing it in that way because I think it's helpful, right? To, to think about the different ways to, to make sure that we're living and being what we, what we say and what we want our children to, to follow through on. Yeah. yeah. Good. So, you know, Michelle, I see you as a mom changing the world, using your voice as a, a teacher at heart. Uh, a family lawyer, a children's author, and a leader. Can you give us a couple of tips for you know how to you know how to kind of juggle and navigate all of the different things that you know you're you're juggling these days? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So maybe the attorney in me would say uh, <laughs> <laughs> advocate for yourself. And I think what I mean by that is remember that you matter. Take time for yourself. And there is a lot on our plates these days. Everybody has a lot, you know, so remember yourself from every matter. There's absolutely a place for selflessness. Absolutely. And that's probably a, a different podcast, but, but you matter too. And I, I came to realize that maybe a little bit too late in life. I remember this comes from someone kind of coaching me when I was a little bit down and 
And he said, you know, you're, you're, you're a good attorney for everyone else, but you're not being an attorney for yourself. No. And, and it hit me. And I was like, yeah. oh, maybe I need to stick myself back in this equation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's a balance there. And, and mm-hmm. that's what I think the attorney would say that the, the author might say, uh, to remind you what we've talked about a bit, bit, but like how powerful books are and to be careful what your children listens to and hears and, and, and then modeling that language. Cause language is so empowering. I, I really believe that the children that can pick up those pro-social lang- language phrases are mm-hmm. better able to work in a team and more likely to be accepting of others and kind of a little bit better often the potential to be better at like health, forming healthy friendships all these things are so important kind of as they grow and are the next generation and kind of the main generation, right? The one that's right. the strongest impact. Right. So, and then I guess the third thing would just be me as me or me as the leader, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, but just surround yourself with the people that make you a better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's something I mm-hmm. kind of was trying to figure out how to say to my child. And it's obviously more like, well, find, find the one that's playing with the toys you like, you know, yeah. <laughs> but the adult version would be, find find the people that are where I want to go with it with her is find yeah. the people that make you a better version of yourself. You're going to have yeah. more of an impact on the world. If you, if you do that to the best of that you're able. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I definitely resonate, you know, with all of that and the surrounding yourself with people, you know, is a big theme here at Mom's Changing the World is that, you know, we are really a tribe, right. And we need each other as moms in order to do everything, you know, that, that we do and to do it well. Right. And somehow culturally it's, you know, we've gotten much more isolated, especially mm-hmm. in the you know, United States or the Bay area, you know, where we live, it, it, it can feel like you're, it's you on this Island trying to do it all when really we have to link arms and support one another, whether it's in practical ways, you know, as we can. And I think, especially with, you know, the coming out of the pandemic, I think, some of those practical, like neighborly ways that we had kind of disconnected from, you know, were really pushed to the forefront of, you know, how we need to help keep an eye on each other and help take care of each other or help fill in the gaps, you know, for each other as best as we can. Yeah, no, certainly surrounding yourself with people that are going through the same things you are is another kind of verse of that too. Yeah, that's true. very healing and powerful too. Yeah. I remember nursing wasn't easy for me as a young mom and I didn't realize anyone else was Struggling, uh, with struggling with it yeah. and it was that big of a thing. And then I think it was part of a mom's group and it was like, oh, and it was just so, I mean, it didn't fix the problem, but mm-hmm. it provided so much more emotional support and some, some healing for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah. So surrounding yourself with people that are going the same thing, which has been hard. It's been yeah. a long time. We haven't been able to do that, you know, necessarily. Yeah. Face to face, person to person. Yeah. So we've gotten, had to become creative about it you know, do the best that we can with Zoom and with social distancing events. But yeah, that support is definitely still out there. And yes, speaking of nursing, you know, we and that transition into motherhood and feeding our children, right? Uh, we were just talking about it in an early episode in season three with Dr. Naima Bridges. And I was saying there that it was something that I didn't expect to be difficult, right? I mean, how hard can it be, right? To, to you know, feed the baby, right? We, well, we've seen it, you know, how hard can it be? But, you know, we, there's so many developmental aspects to it for the child. There's so much anatomy involved. And so it can be a, a real struggle for a lot of a lot of moms. And like you said, they're not alone. Yeah, like absolutely not alone because we, you know, we don't necessarily see it or have it kind of talked about as much as as it, as common as an issue as it is. So yeah, 
That's yeah. awesome that you were able to, to find that support. And I'm always encouraging moms to to look up that lactation, you know, group, look up that, right. you know, mommy's support group in your area or even online. And some of the relationships that you build from there can even be lasting, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So then how do you create balance and joy, you know, in all that you're doing? Yeah, and sure. as you're thinking about and adding, you know, another baby to the mix, yeah, uh, how does that look? <laughs> very excited and very nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. So I think, and I've learned this quite well during COVID when I've been able to slow down, as I talked about a little yeah. bit before. But yeah. carving out to just keep things in my life that I'm very passionate about, um, yeah. whether whether it is or for anyone, if it's a hobby, you know, more of a hobby or. Now, if you're lucky enough to be very well paid through the thing that you love the most, you know, whatever it is, just make sure you make time for it every day. So that, that, that helps. And then I've kind of coined a phrase in my household, source of joy or finding, I encourage my husband to find a source of joy and remind myself to find my source of joy every day with my child, which I just mean is the thing that you kind of really enjoy with them. And hopefully it should be enjoyable for them too. But to keep that, you know, it doesn't have to be every day. None of it has to be every day, but as much as you can, you know, spend the time doing that thing. That's really well, within bounds and within reason. I mean, you don't want to pull your child away if they're really engrossed in something necessarily, but I mean, try to do those things that bring out the best in you and them kind of at the same time and right. keep those things front and center, or at least part of your day as much as possible. And I think it just life is better when I, at least when I do those, those things. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I, yeah. Joy is something that you, we have to nurture and cultivate and and find and build especially in the changing seasons right of our lives you know and so that can you know be a a challenge when especially if, you know things are things are tough things are hard things are messy you know and and yet we need that that joy and that hope to press on right and to to continue to build and, and grow so thank yeah. you for that reminder yeah yeah as we start to wind down you know, anything else that, you know, I think one question I was curious for you is, you know, what would you say to your younger mom self, right? What would you say to yourself, you know, if you were looking back um, and could encourage, you know, your younger mom Mm -hmm. self? I think I've grown a lot in a very difficult area, which is um, kind of the the guilt cycle that a parent can get into Mm -hmm. when they feel like they've not done their best or failed Mm -hmm. as a parent or whatever, Mm -hmm. when you don't live up to your own expectations and kind of beating yourself up over it. It it just doesn't help to wallow in it. I've learned Um, it's not, (laughs) it's not psychological advice, but it's just my advice. And so Mm -hmm. the power of kind of trying to forgive yourself, move on. Maybe you need to apologize to somebody else in your household too. Maybe, maybe it's a child, yeah. but the, the, the knowing that you can do better next time and moving on because it just doesn't help to stay there, but you know, not every day is going to be your best day. And, and, and so you have to kind of give yourself that space and grace. A good friend of mine also reminded me to just remember that there are good times, right? When you're in that moment, mm. like, I had good times too. Right. And <laughs> it's like, you're all, but that did help me. And I love that advice. So yeah, I think parenting isn't easy. If you're really, really struggling, find that support. Don't, I, I might've had some shame or, you know, some hesitance, some resistance and um, some reservations about getting it, you know, maybe as early as I needed it. And, but, but find that mom's group, find that parenting class. And maybe it's a counselor even uh, don't, don't be ashamed. It's, it's just not easy to parent um, and everyone's got their own struggles, but um, find the help you need. Cause it really does help you to surround yourself, people going through what you're going through. It does. It does. And your children need you to, 
Right. And, and then, yeah, that's the part of the taking yourself. care of yourself, right? You're a piece yes. of this puzzle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and the more you're struggling, the more your children will struggle too, because they're feeding off of, of you. And yes, in my system, the last step of it uh, is reflected off the letter M. So be calm is the mm-hmm. system. And mm-hmm. M is that minding and that meditation kind of reflection piece that you're, you're speaking yeah. to where oftentimes you know, we don't take the time to really think about and reflect and, you know, kind of meditate on like what, yeah, what, what's going on for me? What am I, what am I feeling in all this? You know, what do I need, you know, and then what can go better? Or like, what, what do I want? Like, what's the goal? And how can I step-by-step work towards that? So you bring up that whole self-compassion piece is a huge step of that. And again, if we're teaching ourselves, teaching, you know, working through the self-compassion for ourselves, then we can teach our children to also be compassionate to themselves and to others, right? So it's that very much feeding off of our own journey and growth so that our children can also see it lived out and benefit from it. Because mm-hmm. it's right there in front of them. And see your humanness, humanness because exactly. we are all human. Exactly. Yeah. So oftentimes mending and res, you know, resolution of a situation means apologizing. Right. Um, apologizing and you know, figuring out how can I make this right? How can I make this better? And that's one phrase that we use in our house quite a bit, you know, mm-hmm. is, is how can we how can we fix this? You know, how mm-hmm. can we yep. help make this better for the other person, you know, so that we can move on. I right? love it. Yeah. Back to back to the you know, that foundation of love and respect and nurturing that we want and strive for. Yeah. 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 Great. Great. So then, you know, our theme this year has been renewal with mm-hmm. all of the re-entry that we've been going through since 2020. And so I'm curious, you know, what that word means for you. Yeah. So I think coming out of uh, COVID and having a little more time for reflection and, and going a little bit slower, I do feel like we're kind of picking up life's puzzle pieces, <laughs> so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and have the chance to maybe put them back together a little, a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think the renewal for me, maybe keeping kind of some of the things that I'm encouraging the listeners to do and adopting yeah. in my home. Right. So keeping some of my passions more front and central, keeping those things that bring me joy, finding my sources of joy with anyone. It doesn't have to be a source of joy with a child. It can be, you know, what, what's your source of joy in your home. Right. Exactly. One of those things more front and central and kind of daring to put the puzzle pieces back maybe differently than I would have two years ago. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's what it means to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's another Even great. And discarding the rest. I think yeah. yeah. That's a great visual yeah. actually, yeah. as far as that puzzles, like yeah, our lives kind of fell into pieces, right. And all of this. And, and oftentimes we think the puzzle has to go back one way, but right. there are some amazing puzzles that have more than one solution, you know, more than one way of being put back together. And so you're so true, so right that we have some opportunities now that we may not have recognized before. And if we remember to advocate, right, for ourselves and our families in the midst of all of that, we can come out of this stronger and all the better for it. I truly believe that. Yeah, we yeah. absolutely can. Yeah. Good, good. And then finally, you know, what do you do for self-care? <laughs> Our favorite way to wrap up. up. <laughs> that puts my feet up. Yeah, I'm on my feet all the time. Um, yes, so yes. maybe it includes a movie. It might just be like 15 minutes of quiet. 
we have a few animals in our household that keep me quite, quite on my toes and child and then pregnancy. So yeah, I just feel anything that gets my feet up. Uh, also just getting away from it. So anything that takes me away, whether that's like even a swim where like, I can't answer my phone or can't hear that's ringing. I, I choose to not answer my phone sometimes, but uh, yeah, um, maybe just don't hear a ringing that anybody needs me, right? Um, or a hike kind of yeah. away from it all. Those are really great things. And then I guess for anyone who also resonates with this, Anyone who needs a lot of sleep, prioritize it. I am trying to do that a little more. And man, it makes such a difference. I can handle the bumps in tomorrow, you know, or when tomorrow's today, I handle yeah. things so much better, whether it's a marital issue, child emotional roller coaster, whatever it is, or my own thing. I just am much more well equipped. So I, I just don't, I really try to eliminate the late night. Yeah. kind of mindless surfing of the internet or whatever. Sure. And, and it just makes me tired and grumpy the next day. So yeah. as trying to make it as a gift to my family that I can yeah. not do that and be a better version of myself. That's right. That's right. And I think sleep is that underrated gift, like you said, uh, underrated, you know, need. And I think we're seeing more and more evidence, you know, of how important, you know, good night sleep is for every area of functioning and health, yeah. just about every area. And so that's an awesome reminder especially when we're up, we're not yeah necessarily doing anything productive, you know, if we're, if we're right. you know, scrolling yeah. on the social media or yeah. you know, and all of that. So that's, that's a great, yeah. Great tip to, to end on. Good. Was there anything else that we didn't touch on or say that you wanted to? No, I think we got to it all. Oh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to chat. Great. Yes. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that we were able to get together, talk about at the right time. And why don't you let us know, you know, how people can find your book and uh, get a hold of you if they have questions. Yeah. Great. So you can get my book for those that are local to the Bay Area. It's out at Town and Country at Books Inc. in Town and Country in Palo Alto. Uh Um, Otherwise, you can email me at mickeyfo at gmail.com. And I will take your order from there. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the moms we interview and find out how to work with Akua as a parenting coach. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.